gentlemen, welcome back to a, another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I am joined, as always, by Hal Bridius, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Jake. It only took us one false start. Uh, it, the <laughs> A Don't say the it yet. B there. The, the emphasis was, was a little interesting. That, that's new. Are we doing a new, uh, a new intro today? Only when I'm a beer and a half in. Okay. Uh, I feel like if it's a beer and a half, and you're not even, like, pause. Uh, Once I get to about four, it's going to be a very long, drawn-out uh, intro. Behind-the-scenes thing here, you're drinking seltzers because you're a whiny little baby, so... I'm drinking seltzers because they're free, and they were in my fridge. Yeah. What do you want Shout out to Parks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yep. I'm kind of waiting for him to, like, burst in your door right now and offer you an old-fashioned. <laughs> He has made it so far with his uh, dry January. Okay. I don't want to ruin it now. All right. So I'll continue to take his drinks. <laughs> I, I see how it is. Okay, we've got quite a bit to go through today, don't we? It's a jam-packed day with a lot to talk about. Uh, so let's let's get it was to the a perfect news. time for you to take a drink. Exactly. <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the news real quick. A loss yep. at the Warriors, a win at the Kings, a loss at Utah, a loss at Denver, and then a loss versus Denver at home. Um, I will say, it was not, obviously you don't want to go, I think the Suns game as well was, since we last spoke. Um, so obviously going, you know, 1-5 and five is not ideal for most basketball teams, but for a team that's supposed to be losing, I like that there was a lot of close games in there, especially going at Utah, at Denver, and then Denver at home, which we'll talk about a lot later. Uh, but some really tough teams, especially good defenses, so overall, not the worst thing in the world to go 2-5 and five on that stretch, including on the West. And very importantly... We're back to having a two-and-a-half game cushion on Houston in the Tankathon ratings, uh, which we needed after winning a couple of them in a group there. So uh, we're, we're now, like, firmly in second. Um, we're, well, we're, doesn't it, isn't it the top three are all the same percentage-wise now? So the so the the risk, right, is how far you can get jumped. Yeah. Right, so being uh, in second, gotcha. uh, the worst you can get is fifth is, is it fifth or sixth it's fifth because you can get jumped four mm. times so gotcha. no six you were right you're right because um it's you're going from the top yeah so uh it's it's fifth for first sixth for second seventh for third etc and the problem is we have had teams jump pretty consistently uh <laughs> yeah I, well i mean with only a what it's a 30 like 40 percent chance of being in the top three so yeah there's a good chance of Getting jumped. The uh, the top four, which are the the teams that have a lottery, or the top three of the same odds. Um, yep. There's four lottery spots, um, and the top three all have fifty two point one percent chance of keeping the top four pick, uh, mm-hmm. of getting picked in the lottery, basically. So like, even if you're the number one team, you only have half a per, uh, you only have a fifty percent chance of even staying in the top thing so like it is like a lot of people say the same thing you do right if if it's so close at the top why would you tank right why do you care and the answer (laughs) that's what the nba wants you to say the answer is that this is a three-player draft presumably that's what we're being Mm -hmm. told i i'm willing to go to like four maybe five you'd love the fifth player so we'll talk about him eventually and uh well and i don't even know like i think there are guys that might take him fourth uh, whatever the point is I might be willing to go out to, like, five. There's, like, five guys yeah. I'm willing to, like, build things around here. If you end up at fourth because you won a couple games, like, that might feel real good until you pick eighth. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> picking eighth would, like, we know what picking eighth looks like. Detroit picks seventh and eighth a lot. 
over the last couple I of mean, years. I mean, even even the difference between having the worst record and having the second worst record, looking at the odds right now, is that if you have the second worst record, you have a 20% chance of getting the sixth pick. A one in five chance is not exactly the smallest thing in the world. No, no. That's, and if you, and if you get sixth in this draft, you're going to be sad. Like, there's, there's yep. no question... Uh, well, <laughs> you say this, but yet we've seen who takes. We, we've seen how the top picks go sometimes, and I would say a one one pick buffer is kind of okay. Someone falls in love with someone random he, every single draft. Th- so. Random things happen, but like this is a draft. Uh, so the guy you were hinting at earlier is like AJ Griffin, right? AJ yep. Griffin is a guy where like I would be really, but like he doesn't compare to any of the top three guys. Like it would be a major blow to the team if you don't end up in the top three mm-hmm. and it's a blow yep. you have yep. to accept you know uh i personally am like never have a lottery i don't understand the point of a lottery myself i think that discouraging tanking is kind of bullshit uh you should just <laughs> let teams be bad so that they can get better quicker like that's how you get parity uh yeah it's one of the many reasons i think the nba has less parity than the nfl the nfl doesn't have a lottery the worst teams get the best picks I mean, it, I'm sorry. Obviously, there's a lot more to go into it, but it's a small little detail, right. I think. The, the, the Magic have an 18.8% win percentage without, like, apparently intentionally trying to tank and, like, throw games. Like, I'm sorry. Allegedly. Well, like, they built a bad roster, right? Like, they have a, they have a bad roster with a lot of injuries, so, like, they're going to be bad. Same with Detroit, mm-hmm. right? We have a 23.4%. Same with Houston, 29% win percentage. Uh, same with OKC, just under 30%. All terrible rosters. You know what isn't going to make those rosters any less terrible? Having just a straight lot or a straight draft. They're all going to still yeah. be terrible. Now there might be a bigger race for the number 1, but like Detroit pretended that Jeremy Grant had a calf injury for like 2 months last year. Jeremy Grant was fucking fine. <laughs> like <laughs> nobody should be under any impression that Jeremy Grant wasn't fine. He felt That's not a to say twinge. he's not hurt this year. I don't I don't want to I don't want to start that. He, he is hurt this year. No, that's... He did have surgery, I, he's been out. I think that's totally Are they true. holding him out a little bit longer? Possibly. But, yeah, last year was a little... But, like, mm, sure. Jeremy Grant might come back in the next week or two. We're, we're not totally sure, uh, you know, when he's he's fully due. But, like, yeah. we're, we're nearing in the time. We're getting good reports. Uh, you bet your ass that if, like, this team was playing for something, he'd probably be coming back. Yeah. Like, we'd be getting daily reports about how soon he'd be coming... Like, that's just how this works. I, so, I mean, yeah, I think uh, Bam and him had the same exact injury about a week or two weeks apart, and Bam came back last week, and Jeremy is maybe in the next couple weeks. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to put any false equivalencies and, out there or anything like that. And I mean, every injury is different. You right. got to you got to preface that, but, but usually, they, and, they and this was not on our sheet by the way for today. But the point is, nope. The the point is uh, that lotteries are mostly about leagues trying to feel good. And um, just in case people didn't know this, the leagues care very much about betting markets. And the only reason lotteries mm-hmm. exist is to preserve the false uh, uh, sense of security for gambling. Um, that's that's literally the entire point. By the way, the uh, um, the... Random bit of news we got the other day that uh, the Rising Stars game is going to be like a, a mini tournament. Yeah, a tournament. Did, yeah, that was interesting. You saw that? Yeah. Guess what? Yep. That's uh, three games for people to gamble on. It, if, if you think that's not the point, that those are like three different like major gambling events that you can bet on, just, just letting you know that FanDuel 
and DraftKings and your MGM are all just like rubbing their fingers because it's just conspiracy, Jake. Everyone, it's not. It's <laughs> this is uh, like uh, if you. Uh, I don't know if you uh, saw the news that there was an Arsenal player. Uh, who's being investigated for a a yellow yep. card because a bunch mm-hmm. of people bent, bet like $400,000 collectively that this player was going to get a yellow card, and he got a yellow card. And so they investigated that, and we don't know the results yet. Um, yeah. But one of the big things that people are saying around this is like a huge selling point for the Premier League is that people consider it fairly unfixable. And that it's yeah. it's like a which by the way is bullshit, but yeah, isn't uh, that right, Donahue? The, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's impossible to fix the major sports league, right? Right. Well, and um, Mike Dean exists. Thank you. Um, but the point is, like, that's a huge, um, that's a huge like selling point for them. The Premier League mm-hmm. is putting out a big PR spin right now about how unfixable and pure their league is. If you think these leagues do not care about like. The gambling integrations. The NBA is actively advertising all sorts of gambling. There are gambling yep. companies that are going to get shirt sponsors and all that. Like, this is a big deal. And yes, uh, this Rising Stars mini tournament might be like a more fun game. I don't know. I think it's mostly bullshit and people aren't really going to watch. But you know what they might do? Put $5 down on FanDuel or whatever. I don't, I don't gamble. I don't know what app is best for that. FanDuel is daily fantasy to me, but... Maybe it's also you should say for people that are looking to gamble, do not gamble on any All Star Game activities. No, bad. <laughs> Just throwing away don't, money. <laughs> don't gamble in the first place, but definitely not on that. Uh, okay, we got to get back on track. Uh, yep. Because I can go all day about that bullshit. Uh, so Kelly sure. Linick came back, dropped twenty two nine five, and went into health and safety protocols. Um, we'll see you later, Kelly. Uh, Kelly comes back, has a great game. Leaves and refuses to elaborate. That is pretty much what he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was pretty immediately apparent that, like, Kelly Olenek is a better option than Isaiah Stewart. I don't want to spend yep. this pod talking too much about Isaiah Stewart because people think we're – at least they think I'm a hater. Um, I'm not, but, like – This is really going to help that theory <laughs> by not talking about him. I, it, it's just one of those things where, like, the being a decisive passer and being able to, like – Kelly didn't even, like, shoot well. Uh, to get those yeah. 22. He, he did a little better in the late game, and I missed, actually, the fourth quarter where I guess he really went off. I never even bothered to watch it because, you know, I don't care. <laughs> but <laughs> the point is, like, he has gravity that Stu doesn't and all this other stuff. So, like, I the, the should Kelly or Stu start conversation, like, the only reason people are saying Stu should start is because they believe that starting is, like, this important label that they should give people, which is bullshit, yeah. and you need to... And, like, everyone who thinks that needs to break their... Like their their habits with when it comes to like I've had a lot of people ask me, uh, should Killian Hayes go to the bench then? What do you think about like if Killian Hayes going to the bench is better for Killian Hayes and for, like if that's how you find stuff like yes absolutely I'm all like you're not gonna get me in a gotcha here. <laughs> yeah, as somebody who watches a lot of Wizards games, let me tell you that whoever starts the center is not the end all be all. Like because right now, especially with Thomas Bryant back, Gafford starts at center and then plays like ten minutes and. The main person getting the minutes is Montrezl Harrell. So, starting is not the end-all be-all that anyone thinks it is. No, and and it's I say this all the time. It's about intentional minutes, especially intentional mm-hmm. offense. I mean, defense you're going to mostly play regardless. Um, but yep. you know, especially for someone like Killian Hayes, if coming off the bench means that he gets to run 
offense is designed for him and Casey actually like stops and takes the time to like say, all right, the bench unit is going to be Killian plus these guys and they're going to run these sets. You know, and it's not just, all right, Killian, figure it out when you're on the court with Killian. Like, that's actually a really important distinction. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really important <laughs> thing to, to have these guys doing intentional actions. Cade Cunningham needs to be running the same stuff, like pick and rolls, making reads, learning, you know, how these defenses work. Intentional offense is a huge, important thing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, what's what's next on our list here? We talked about Frank coming back. He has been back for, what, just the last Denver game, correct? Yes, correct. After his ankle-slash-protocol stint. And and for whatever reason, is now shooting with, like, the most, like, foot sway I've ever seen. Did you notice that? <laughs> I didn't notice it, but now that you say that, yeah. Like, I if you think, think back to, like, that. the first three he makes, right? It's the Killian drives down the lane and, like, kicks it out to him. He, like, jackknifes his whole body in midair. And, like, like his feet are, like, three feet in front of, like, I... He has changed his shot a lot over the last, like, year or two from... And, like, he just has awesome touch, which just, like, he, he's a good shooter. He's That's just an objectively him, yeah. really good shooter. But the amount of, like, variation in his base is hilarious to me. I just feel like that's who he is. I don't feel like that's necessarily an intentional thing. I just... I feel like he's kind of the person that just, just goes up however he feels like it. And he's not trying to do a perfect form kind of thing. It's just like, I know this is going to go in. doesn't matter how I start it. <laughs> well, I, I think he struggled a bit early in the season because he was trying to shoot a little too much off movement and stuff. And, and maybe that was yeah. infecting his shot. But it's just really funny to me that, like, he shoots like the... the like, Clay Thompson is, is the guy I think of most when it's, like, the really wide feet. Uh, Clay's yep. really good at that. He's like... And, like, Frank will do that sometimes. But Frank will also sometimes, like, go on one-two. He'll do a hop. He'll jackknife his feet. He'll, like, do spinning shots. And I'm just like, Frank, pick one. <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure he's... Like, like we know he's a good shooter, but I'm not sure he's good enough yet at all the other stuff around shooting to be trying as many things as he can. Um, all right. We want to dedicate most of this pod, I think, to, to Cade before at least we get to the Rookie of the Week stuff. But before that... Let's cram in some mm-hmm. real quick trade talk. Yep, uh, because the trade deadline is coming up. It's going to be on the 10th of February, so and, we got a couple more and weeks. And certain people, shout out to Kukahil, keep uh, kicking up dust around certain things. So he was the one that, that proposed the thing we're about to talk to next, and your response to me in the chat immediately was, no next, or, or whatever it was. Thank you, next. No, moving on. Uh, which kind of <laughs> shocked me. Thank you, next also work. Kind of shocked me. Because uh, the 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 player in question is Atlanta's John Collins, what? Mm-hmm. Why would you say no so quickly to John Collins? I'm all on board for John Collins. Here's the thing, I gave you a response that was very off the cuff. I like John Collins. I think John Collins is a very good basketball player. I do not like John Collins's fit and his influence next to Kate Cunningham, and that's the sole reason that, you know, he's a couple years younger than Jeremy. He's, I mean. In some cases, he might be a better player than Jeremy. He's better at rebounding. He's an actual true power forward versus Jeremy, where he's a bit kind of a stretch power forward. Like, you could definitely make a case that he would fit better on this team than Jeremy does, but I just like what Jeremy brings to the floor a little more. His kind of athleticism, the level that, or the play, the play that he can do on defense, kind of what he can bring to the table there. I just, I like Jeremy more as a player with this team. And I'm also wondering, like, I understand the Hawks, there's a lot of, uh, turmoil about them bringing in Capella to play next to him, and all of a sudden he's not seeing as many touches with Trey Young, just turning into this superstar. And I think Collins is a little upset about that, and I don't want to bring him into Detroit where we could see a similar... <laughs> where we could br- come into a similar instance with Kate Cunningham just being the next superstar. 
and Collins is upset again. And I just, I, I hate to ever harp on someone's attitude or anything like that because we don't really know what's going on in these situations. But just, just something just doesn't feel right about the John Collins trade. Let alone, also he's on a massive contract and the Hawks want to get out of it immediately, which is a little suspect. I so, get that you got to resign your people, but not feeling great about that either. So he's not on that big a deal. His deal is going to max out at twenty six million a year. So no, but it was a what a five year one hundred twenty five million or something right, like that. But deal. it's 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 five years of basically Jeremy Grant money. Like that's not oh, yeah. Bi- like that's if and and we're talking about a guy who's like been a fringe all star. We're talking about a guy who. It's, well, it's not that I'm saying that the contract is like this albatross that's going to like endanger us forever. It's more that if they just sign him to this contract and they're already just like shipping him out. I'm, and He's, to be fair, they were they trying are not to trying to ship him out. John Collins is forcing. Like John Collins there. is forcing his way out. Oh, yes. John Collins is absolutely pissed. Uh, there's been some some uh, some stuff. It's less about I think his role and more about the fact that for whatever reason he and Trey are like not on the yeah. same page. And I'm not entirely sure I feel what like that, that kind is. of fluctuates because that was a, that was a storyline that came up last year and then it's like no they're best friends and they went on this great run. So I don't. Mm. Yeah. It's I don't think they Hawks hate each other. <laughs> PR keeps trying to bury it, and John Collins keeps making it kind of clear that like there's some fire underneath that all true. that smoke. I mean, Collins has definitely been outspoken in the media about his kind of distaste for what's going on in Atlanta around him. So yeah, I mean, but but let me let me just read the more, stat yeah, line for you here: seventeen points yep. a game, eight rebounds, two assists, uh, one and a half ish stocks a game, uh, low turnovers. Uh, median fouls, three fouls a game. Here's his shooting splits. Uh, 54% from the field. Currently 42.6% from three. He's been a 40% uh, shooter for three years now on reasonable volume, over three a game. Uh, you know, awesome in, in two-point field goal percentage, obviously. I mean, he's an awesome athlete. He was at 60% the last mm-hmm. couple of years. He's a little, he's down to 58% now. I mean, boo-hoo. Um, And an 80% free throw shooter for his career, basically. So we're talking about a guy who can pick and pop, uh, an awesome lob threat, uh, a guy who, like, isn't a playmaker, but, like, he's not a super unwilling passer. Uh, He's he's a very terminal player, but, like, I don't think he's... um, I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to, like... He's not Jeremy Grant, right? Like, the problem with Jeremy Grant this year has been that he... You give him the ball because he's a perimeter player, and then he doesn't want to give it up. And like yep. John Collins his. isn't necessarily a playmaker, but John Collins knows that if he gets the ball, he's either dunking it, shooting it, or giving it up. Like there's no dribbling mm-hmm. for John Collins. So, um, and then by the way, just for the record, uh, the Hawks have been over four points better with him on the floor than off the floor for uh, the last four years. So like he has just consistently made the Hawks better. Now. The question is, why would Atlanta do it? I think more than yeah. anything. I don't know. I, I think I think partly it's it's. Um, I think with I with think, Grant, you have a more perimeter oriented defense, right? Exactly. And I think Grant would fit perfect next to Capella and with Trey Young. Like I feel like that'd be a great right. fit. So for him. so I think that's fine. I think that Grant is probably a pretty good return for them. I, I think like a straight swap is pretty much fair. Like I I don't yeah, think it's, I, I don't, it's about. Equal money. And yeah. for Detroit, you're talking about a guy comes in, plays the four for you sometimes. You run pick and rolls with him. He picks, he pops, he dunks. 
He's, you know, he gives yeah, you a lot. He's threat. three years younger than Jeremy. Like he's more of a long-term solution. And the secret is John Collins has actually been like okay defensively the last couple of years. Like he's not yeah. good. Uh, but like if you need to close games with John Collins at center, you can do that. Like, yeah, he's not a bad. Like he's not bad at defense. Like he's not. I, he's I, not someone that's going to be like an Enos Cantor. No, well, <laughs> and I think he's better than that. Like I think he's a, a legitimate plus defender. He has been good uh, the last couple of years, and I think it's actually bringing Capella has maybe like pushed him more to the fore where maybe he's a little more restricted. Yeah. But like honestly, there's been some people who are like, I don't like John Collins. There's been some people who are like, Why would Atlanta do? I think honestly, if if this is even anywhere near on the table. Detroit should snap this up because if John Collins was happy in Atlanta, this ta- this deal would not be on the table. Sure. I, th- I think he's just objectively the better asset. I mean, personally, like I said, I don't. And I, I don't I quite love, love it fit. for Detroit. I love I don't the quite fit. love it for Detroit. I love it for my Wizards, and I'm been Fuck trying off. to figure out how the Wizards can get John Collins. I feel like that's a better that's a better fit. Did you see the four? I, I don't have personally. it in front of me. Did you see the like four team trade I I did the other day? Where I tried to get uh, I tried earth. to get Ben Simmons on the on the uh, the Timberwolves, Jeremy Grant to the Hawks. Oh God! John Collins to the Pistons, and I, and it was no, it was Jeremy them? Grant to uh, it was Jeremy nope. Grant and D'Lo to um, to Philly, and Tobias went back to the Hawks along with like some draft capital. And I'm just saying, Ben Simmons and Tobias, holy Jesus! No, Ben Ben went to Minnesota. So Ben's in Minnesota. Ooh. Oh, so okay. Eh, D'Lo like and Jeremy Grant both end up in in Philly. It's uh, never gonna happen, but I like it. Look, look. <laughs> all right. Sometimes you gotta be brave. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta do an NBA 2K trade. And Daryl Morey, if you're listening, stop say, fucking Morey around because we're all bored. Um, <laughs> Morey is not the one I'm questioning in this. Oh, Morey is absolutely or the not. one. Morey is absolutely the one. Morey thinks that he's gonna get James Harden well, this this trade yeah, season Morey and is... Daryl Morey like Morey, Morey will do a trade like that but he thinks Ben Simmons is like worth like top tier like he needs to get his foot he's waiting for he needs to get his, his head out of his ass and and like Daryl Morey is actively like every single Philly fan should be absolutely pissed at Daryl Morey right now he has handled yeah, it, every single very... aspect of the Ben Simmons thing wrong there is basically no debate about that uh, mm-hmm. his his value is like declining every single day and yet he yeah. still wants, I like, like, five All-Stars for it. Like, absolute buffoonery from Daryl Morey, who has otherwise like been a good A lot GM, of Daryl but... Morey's decisions, especially in the past. I like him as a person for what he stood up for, even though. But this Ben Simmons thing is, I feel like, gone more south by the minute. And the fact that he's refusing to budge on anything is optimistic. What I will say, there's still a couple more weeks left for the trade deadline. That doesn't think is his... That is his deadline to get something done. If it's after that, if they still have Ben Simmons at the trade deadline and he refuses to play, which I think is going to happen if he stays in the team, then Daryl Morey's in some deep shit. But he still has time to pull a deal out of his ass. He could end up with John Collins or something like that. Who knows? John Collins is not a good fit next to Embiid. Like, I'm sorry. I I think that's hilarious. He's not a good fit with Tobias as well. (laughs) Like, those three all want to be generally in the same spot. So... Uh, he just he. But I'm he, saying, he, yeah, that's bad. All right, um, you pulled a couple other trades though. You want to go through those quick? Yep. So I tried to go through all the rumors I could find online, and try and pull up the best deal I could guess for teams that sounded interested in Jeremy Grant. The first one, which I hate, 
um, deals with our wizard with my wizards. Um, it is Jeremy Grant and Saban Lee for Uri Hachimori, Thomas Bryant, and Aaron Holiday. I don't like it for either sides, but apparently the wizards are like the front runners in this race, and I don't quite know what they're going to offer. Like I'm guessing Thomas Bryant is someone who I would definitely expect to be in the trade because he's a big salary expiring deal. We already have two centers. Rui is like the interesting piece. If Give you me Rui Denny. or Denny, Give me Denny every they like They like Denny a lot more. And Rui, I think, is kind of... They're unsure what he's going to be. You're, I don't you're, see them you're the Wizards. Denny. I never heard what the like personal reasons that he was sitting out for. Did anybody ever like... No. Nobody knows? Okay. The rumor that I heard was that he went to the Olympics. They didn't do that well. There was a lot of like hate spread online and stuff like that that came his way and it just led to him being in a bad mental state and just staying in Japan for a little bit longer. And then that spiraled into him not being able to get to the U.S. and it just kind of snowballed on onwards and onwards. Sure. So, I think he just... My guess is he took some time away from basketball and that's why the personal re- reasons stretched for so long because he came back and he was not in the best shape <laughs> because Japan does have some really good food. <laughs> so <laughs> he probably lived it up over there well, for a little while. <laughs> I hope Rui is okay, but uh, give me Denny Avdia. And I think if I'm giving you Jeremy Grant... Uh, I have the right to ask for Denny Avdia, and I don't. I don't think Wizards there's any. No. <laughs> I don't think there's any real debate there that I have the right to ask that. Uh, I'm getting you have the right your, to ask. I'm getting your third center and a wing you don't care about, uh, and I'm not asking for a pick. You're giving me Denny Avdia, like mind you, the Wizards are the Wizards anymore. basically only do that if Brad Beal says I want Jeremy Grant on my team, <laughs> in which exactly. case I have all it the feels leverage. Like, I'll do. I don't know. Wizards fans are souring on Beal, which is a whole other story that I I don't do, agree do with. Do Wizards but... fans know that this is like Brad Beal's best defensive and playmaking season he's ever had? Uh, he's been phenomenal. I don't get like, I literally he's don't not, get it. He's not shooting very well, but like if you asked me if this is like a... Like, Beal last year was... Did he win the scoring title last year? He was like a top five contender for all if season. he didn't, I feel like he's been in the top three for the past couple but, years. But like, he was bad. Like... It, yeah, he was. did not show his best signs. It was very much a points aren't everything season for Brad Beal, and just like I hope people realize that like this is actually a very positive step for him if he keeps it up. Mm-hmm. So, all right, what's yep. your next trade? I'm, I personally like it. All right, so the next one, this one gets me a little intrigued, which is Jeremy Grant for Nasir Little and Robert Covington of the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers apparently want to keep contending, and this was the best trade that I could think of because I think. Uh, Anthony Simons is off the table. He is gone in Fuego uh, the past couple months, and I don't think he's getting traded at all. I think. For the record, I, I don't want him anyways because he's a tiny, uh, skinny guard who can't yeah. play defense. And I think, like, he tops out as Lou Williams. Like, that's the absolute yeah. ceiling for, for Anthony Simons. It's like a really, really, really fun sixth man who probably actually isn't very helpful in a playoff scenario. I'd personally go for Jordan Clarkson as the better comparison because I don't like I don't really want to compare people to Lou Will. He's tiny. There will only be one Lou Will. Like Jordan, He's tiny. Jordan Clarkson, uh, Clarkson is six five. Clarkson is six five. Yeah. Right. So like That's fair. Clarkson at least like has length. So I'm not interested in Simons that much. Uh, Little is interesting, but like he still hasn't like come good. You know, um, eh, he's he's had, he's been on a pretty hot stretch. He's I feel like, doubled his three point attempt rate and is still at thirty three percent. So like that's a big step actually to like double your attempts and maintain like baseline efficiency. Mm-hmm. But like he's not good at anything yet. Um, and this is I year mean, three he's for also, him. And he's yeah. he is. I mean, he's only twenty one. I'm not trying to be like Nasir Little is bad. He's just I'm not. not yeah. He's just not like the the like 
the the centerpiece like if you're asking me do i want pat williams or does he, like it's not a contest i think roco is just like I, i'm not interested um yep I, yep and i didn't include any picks in these trades just because i feel like that's especially the blazers didn't have any picks i don't think so i didn't want to get into that the last one as you've said we've talked about it before i still think it's the best deal personally which is patrick williams and Derek jones jr Derek jones jr uh for jeremy grant it makes the most sense it <laughs> just make this deal already like what's happening this is the deal that makes the most sense out of any of them yeah they keep and, saying that pat will is like off the table for the bulls and like i'm yeah, sorry it's like chicago, kobe white doesn't move the meter at all that's some gar packs <laughs> bullshit right there chicago like yeah what are you doing um it, do you want to contend for a title or not? It's interesting because cause if you like, do, they make the strain. Most of the Bulls fans I know are like all in. Like they're they're like absolutely mm-hmm. yes, do this. Like Jeremy Grant's yeah. twenty seven, going on twenty eight, I think still. Uh, yep. Like you're not sacrificing for like a thirty three year old. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't totally mesh with the Cade timeline for Detroit, but like if uh, if DeRozan and stuff like doesn't repeat this season, like. Jeremy Grant's still going to be Jeremy Grant for a couple more years, minimal. Like, I I yeah, think it's actually with, insane not to do that for Chicago. I think that's wild, but... Yeah, and you put him with someone like Levine, who I think is, what, 26, 27 as well. It's like, that would be a pretty good pairing together. I feel like they'd fit really well together. Like, there's it just... It makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it makes so much sense. You know it's not going to happen, is essentially what I'm yeah. going to say with that. You have, one, you have down here that, like, the Lakers and the Jazz are rumored... The Jazz only work if they're if a the Pistons actually like Jared Butler. Jared Butler fell in the draft because he had a, a health issue. Um, I'm not. And if we want to take on, I think it's like Bogdan or no Ingles. They're trying to. It'd send be well it'd be Ingles contract, but like it would be it'd be Ingles, uh, Butler. I think you need one more salary filler, um, and then uh, maybe you can get like a very distant future first out of like. It'd be a mess. It'd, it'd be one of those things where it's like, no, I'll just take this deal to the summer. I think I'd turn it down. Um, like, yep. I think you can make one that's, like, enough that, like, you put it on the table, but not enough that I pick it up. The Lakers, yep. like, fuck off. <laughs> just, did, like... <laughs> you know about Taylor did Horton you, Tucker did you see Laz, first? Did you see Laz's tweet about Taylor Horton, Horton Tucker last week? So Laz, uh, I don't think so, no. Last Chance just, like, uh, on Twitter, posts his... Uh, his uh, splits from basketball. He's like got Killian Hayes efficiency. Yeah. He's a six six dude with like seven foot three wingspan, etc. etc. And he's shooting like thirty five percent from two point range. Like fuck off, Lakers. No. Um I don't know how it works salary wise. I don't know how it works basketball wise, because I don't feel like Jeremy really is gonna absolutely take them to the nothing next level. of value <laughs> that the Lakers can give Detroit. It's it's a terrible idea. The Mavs one uh I will take Dwight Powell. I think Dwight Powell is fine. I like Dwight Powell. I'm a good uh, Powell. I'll take Reggie Bullock off your hands. And uh, if you want to send uh, J- either Jalen Brunson or a pick, like, I'll talk about it. Like, I, it would be... So, supposedly, it revolves around Jalen Brunson being available, which, for the Mavs, he's been phenomenal for them. Uh, but, obviously, he has to get paid this upcoming offseason. And I just don't think... I would Jaylen, not mind paying Jalen Brunson, Brunson the reason $20 million. Me. Dollars. I wouldn't mind the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't mind giving him the 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 um, Jeremy Grant money, and either a he's your starter, uh, and Killian is your bench guy, and you just kind of rotate through the three, or b Killian gets you know improves and eventually takes the spot from him, and Jalen leads your second unit. Uh, Like he's a good guy, 
uh, a good player. And like, if I can get him on a three for 90 contract, like I, I'm fine with not, sorry, not three for 90, three for what? Probably three for like 70, like just a little over 20 a year. Yeah. I would, I, I would do personally, that. Personally, I, I like Jalen Brunson a lot as a player. I don't, I just don't see how, we, like, he's young enough, but I just don't see how he'd fit in. And I'd personally rather have someone like a Hami there than Oh, I think Jaylen he Brunson. fits perfectly. Really, he's, he is, he's so, he's so ball dominant, though. Like, when I watch the maps, like, he, he succeeds when Luka's not playing. Right. But that would be, like, he's the guy that, like, takes a lot of pressure off Cade. And I think we've seen, actually, that Cade kind of needs the pressure taken off because we'll get into this. Uh, and this is a good transition yeah. into arcade bits. Uh, like, I think the only weakness Kate has had recently is, like, he can't do it all. Like, we're seeing, like, the last Denver game, right? He's 34, 8, 8, 4, and 2. So just, 8, 8, 8, 8, 4, 2. Yep, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, just, just an obscene stat line that, by the way, no one else has ever done. Michael Jordan did 34, well, 8, 8, good. and 4. And didn't have the steals, the two steals. So no one exactly. else has ever done that. Uh, well, someone else has done it. I, I did look that up. There is probably like ten or so instances. instances no of rookie. It, but... No rookie. Excuse me. No rookie has ever. No done rookie. It. Yes, you were correct. Uh, uh, that's a, that's an important. Personally, I'm fine leaving out the steals if you could say the only rookie besides Michael Jeffrey Jordan to do this. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm okay with him and Jordan being. The it only makes two for a better in, Bleacher in Report graphic. I'll give you that. Uh, Goddamn right. <laughs> but. You know, like, we saw in that Denver game, right? He he ends up taking, like, three mid-range shots to end the game, and it just, like, doesn't work because he has no legs left him. Also, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to the refs in a minute. I'll leave them. I'll, I'll let them <laughs> stew. Uh, but, like, I think for like, someone like Jalen Brunson, like, he, no would take a, the refs. he would take a lot of pressure off, um, just off Cade to do stuff. And, like, I think we're actually saying Cade is really good off the ball early on he's really good when he already has stuff to attack so i i think the fit there is actually pretty good um i don't think it's i'd like, personally rather just i think i'd rather just go for overwhelmingly Rams, john collins is the best fit on the table from any of these trades i think i think i, I know think you john said collins you didn't the like best the player. fit, but like i love that fit i think he's overwhelming i think the i think the actual fit issue for collins comes in in this year's draft when you have to figure out how you're going to pair him with another power forward uh, Which you got to think about because I mean Collins will help the Pistons be a little bit better. But and my answer to that is that I just draft that... Paolo and I play them both. And if John Collins is unhappy in three years, I trade him for someone else because that contract is going to be super fucking tradable forever. It's twenty five million in twenty twenty four. Like yes, somebody will take John Collins and give me things for him. But think about Cade, Patrick Williams, Seku, Paolo, and center X. I don't care who is at center. You can throw Paolo at center. Seku? We're bringing Seku back? Or it's, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he's back, baby! He's the center. There we go. Now we're talking. So the secret to Pat Williams is he's not good yet. Like, he's just, I mean, he's yeah. just not good yet. Like, Patrick Williams, everyone keeps like being like, you know, they need to keep him because he's the, the Kevin Durant defender. He was the hole in the... Bo- Patrick Williams is not good on defense yet. He has tools. He is not yeah. good. Patrick Williams is not a shooter yet. He likes to shoot mid-range shots. He's not a good three. Like, Patrick Williams is very toolsy. Uh, just for the record... But I, but I like those tools. The, they're good tools. But just for the record, I want to pull this up real quick so I get it right, because I, I don't want to guess, because my guesses might be wrong. Uh, 
Oh no, I was right. John Collins is still twenty four. <laughs> like twenty four? I thought he was twenty five. He's he's twenty four, uh, and and like twenty four and like point three years old. Like wow, he's he's young. Yeah. Like wow. John Collins is by far the best fit on this team. It's not a debate. Give me John Collins, please. I will say, John Collins will seem older because he's he's been starting in the NBA since like twenty seventeen. Like, by the way. It's a I was really, in college when he started the really NBA. <laughs> good sign that John Collins is a positive uh, on-off number for the Hawks basically his entire career outside of his rookie year. Yeah. Like, super productive, also impactful in all... Like, yes, give me John Collins. This is why you forced your way out, John, to come to the Detroit. Come to Detroit. Yeah, that's what everyone wants to come do. Come catch lobs Go from, from Atlanta to Detroit. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't we'll want to do that. I've got all... We'll see. We have stuff here. Real quick... Real quick to wrap up, if you have any of these offers on the table, would you prefer that over keeping Jeremy Grant until the draft slash next year offseason trade deadline, whatever? Um, let me pull up Tankathon real quick. Um, <laughs> so the the only reason I say the only reason I would keep him to the draft is because there's a Warriors situation like last year, right, where there's a good team that actively wants Jeremy Grant that has the eighth pick. Um, you know, something like that, right? I thought you meant literally. I'm like, the Pelicans? <laughs> I was very confused about um, that. Like, Portland is close. Um, their pick is already in play if it's outside the lottery. That's on the lottery, yeah. Um, Atlanta is actually this team. Where, like, if you can get Atlanta's pick, it's a pretty yeah, good Atlanta thing. Atlanta is like, the team. Uh, I don't know if you heard the news. Shaden Sharp is uh, a Kentucky player who, like, graduated early, is in next year's draft, but may enter this year's draft. If Shaden Sharp is in this mm-hmm. year's draft, he cannot play a minute of college basketball and will probably be a top ten pick. <laughs> like Shaden Sharp is, uh, he's he's the kind of guy that like Jalen Green was supposed to be last year. Like he's an awesome athlete and awesome. Like, but he may not play a, a minute of college basketball and still enter the draft. His plan right now is to play uh, and be in the next year's draft. In which case, he's probably like the fifth pick. Um, but like. If you end up with a 10th te- uh, pick in this year's draft and Shaden Sharp is there, like, you might end up with one of the best wings in the draft just kind of randomly. And if you already had the first or second or third pick because you're Detroit and you have Atlanta's pick at 11 because you gave them Jeremy Grant and they got a little better and they still fit, like, you might end up with a really fun gamble. And in that case, like, maybe I accept it. I think that's a super low probability play. Super low. And I and if... if yeah. uh, if Patrick Williams, John Collins, or the Mavs thing is on the table, I'm taking any of those. Mm, gotcha. Any of those, I'm, I'm, I'm in. okay with. I agree for the most part. I, I think I'd rather get Jeremy out now before we're all of a sudden one year away, like, expiring deal and all that kind of stuff. So, thank you for answering my question. So I was trying to figure out what was going on with Sharp, where he was, like, on the top of Tankathon, but didn't have any stats at all. I'm like, <laughs> did he get hurt? Did I miss something? Else? No, so, but so also, the, he... he just joined Kentucky in this winter. Uh, he he literally yeah. like just has started going through walkarounds with them. He he took summer courses last year in order to graduate. And so the thing is, you have to get your diploma before this year's uh, season starts in order for mm-hmm. this year's season to like count as the season in between your high school and and draft year. Which is so. Stupid, but I digress. Right. So the point is, like, he literally has to have a transcript that can be validated uh, by an investigation that says, yes, you graduated before October 2021. 
No. <laughs> Our understanding is he does. Everyone has known, by the way, that he like he, he was always going to join Kentucky. We've known that for months. The question was, mm-hmm. was his transcript going to be uh, like approved and ready? Now, the report is um, not that he is eligible to to enter it's that he's eligible to apply and there's an important distinction from uh, i think it's john gavoni is the one who put out the big tweet that like changed and like set this in motion um so the distinction is the nba has not officially investigated his transcript and and, like confirmed that yes you can enter the draft they will Mm. not do so until he applies for the draft yeah so there is still a chance he could be denied the report is basically like his camp is confident that if he wants to, he could get in. That's kind of the that's kind of what we got the noise over. Ah. Now, interviews with like his mom literally like last week was like, we still plan to do two years at Kentucky or a year and a half at Kentucky. So right. he plans to be a next year draft guy. But if uh, they look at this draft and are like, hey, we can get into this draft, and uh, you might go seventh because it's a it's a weak draft. Like he might get in. Money talks. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, so first you of all... You get that extension a year early and First money of talks. all, NIL changes that a little bit. You're at Kentucky. A little you're bit. At, you're, you're, you're at Kentucky. Come on. And you might, like, if he plays, like, three, four, five games at the end of the season and, like, balls out and then comes back next year, that dude is going to make a million dollars in NIL money. Like, the... That's pocket change compared to the extension that he's going to get after the rookie deal. If he's the only reason player. he'd be doing that is if scouts tell you, oh, you might be going 18th. You might go 20th. Well, yeah. Obviously, if he's right. going to be falling so, out of the lottery, then yeah. No, I agree with that. So, but I'm saying... The, I, I the mean, other still, risk though, is... If you're I a first-round pick, you got to go. I don't know... Um, and this is just ignorance on my part. I don't know where the line, the delineation is on the uh, eligibility scale for the NCAA. Like, right, you're allowed to, like, uh, enter pre-draft testing waters, but you can't hire an agent, right? That's that's how that all There's works. There's, like, a, some specific date, I think, set up. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know if he applies for the draft if that screws with his NCAA eligibility. Yeah. That would be the only I think question I have about for the draft, too. but I think he has to pull himself out at a certain point. So, um... I think he even hire an agent now. I don't know. These these rules change every right. single fucking year, and it's hard to keep track of what's going on. But anyway, he's, like, in the conversation now. Like, we have to, like, start talking about Shaden Sharp and thinking about Shaden Sharp, and he's a really fun prospect. And the, the real question is, does he play a game for Kentucky? And actually, no. if he does not... That would point to him going in the draft for me. Yeah, that would if, he, be if he plays ten games for Kentucky, weakness. I think he's coming back. Yeah, um, no, I agree with that actually. All right, I think I was only strength on Tankathon. His only strength or weakness is draft age. Draft plus age. three. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> he's a baby. Uh, let's go real quick. Right. Okay, sorry. Were you gonna say something? We've spent forty-five minutes and we haven't talked about Kate Cunningham. Look, look more than a before little bit. the pod. We said we're gonna spend fifteen minutes. On the news section. And then you were like, oh, so we're going to spend an hour and a half on this podcast. And I told you. What did I tell you? You multiply by three, and then you double it. So actually, in reality, we got through that twice as quickly as we should have. That's what I'm reading into it. Told you that. Move on to whatever you want to talk about next. I am waiting for Cade. Let's go real quick. Killian Hayes is coming off the bench. Uh, We kind of covered it a little bit a few minutes ago, but like, I'm fine with that. Um, I don't know if he'll rejoin the starters when he's back to like full health or not. Uh, I thought the last Denver game was, uh, along with the first half of, uh, the Chicago game, uh, I can't, two weeks ago now, three weeks ago, 
Yeah. I think that was some of the best stuff we've seen from them. The most, again, intentional offense. Like, very much this was Killian Hayes-oriented stuff. Uh, I appreciated that. Uh, his shot right now looks really bad. Uh, I think the yeah. time off, the thumb injury, the hip, like, he's just really discombobulated all over. Um, and that sucks to see. I was really hoping that his corner shooting would come back. Um he hasn't shot a left corner three in like 12 games, which sucks because that's his best, most efficient spot. And I think they should be yeah, spending before, more time yeah. like putting him there. Um, but I thought like there was a play uh, last night against Denver where like they give him his right hand. He goes right, uh, takes a screen going right, spins around, goes back to the left, and then whips a lefty pass to like the far corner. And it gets called for a moving screen or a, or a defense foul. I can't remember. The play gets called off. But like mm-hmm. that was one of the most like aggressive setups you'll ever see Killian Hayes do. Fully manipulating the, the center. Uh, I can't remember if it was Jokic on the floor at that time or not. But like he was manipulating the defense, uh, going right to get back to the left, firing a bullet laser to, uh, I think, Rodney McGruder. Magruder was in the corner there. Like, every single thing you want to see out of a point guard in that little play. So just, we're seeing stuff if you just let him run a couple plays in a row. So, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we necessarily have to move him to the bench full-time, but I think we should definitely try and get him some minutes away from Cade and away from Kojo, where he is the main guy running the offense. If he goes back if to being a means... starter, I still want to see them stagger him and Cade and give exactly. him these six, seven-minute stretches. All right. Not to say that they can't play together, but just more of, he just needs to. I think they're which is good together. We talked about that lives. Yes. Whatever. Yep. All right. Blah, 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 we got to focus on the other guy though, because it's Cade season. Ah! Did, did you just keep screaming? Because Discord literally cut you. There. Yep. There. Discord <laughs> was like, "Wow, he's very loud. We're gonna clip that." <laughs> it's a block in my in my feed here. I'm just uh, yelling. So we, <sighs> we mentioned the stat the line earlier. Got a real one. Uh, <sighs> but like. He just did something Michael Jordan didn't do, so that's cool. Flex on him. Yep. Um, or LeBron James. Trying or not to NBA get player. myself suspended from uh, Spotify like I did from Twitter, but uh, ref, call a fucking foul. Um, NBA, you can eat shit and die. I'll say that on my podcast. I can't say it on Twitter anymore. Um, they can't stop us. <laughs> they can't, they you us. can't stop me. Can't stop KD either, baby. Uh, you can just not call fouls, How though. How does he? Yeah. Like, he's getting, what, like two fouls a game, maybe? Or not even, probably. It's honestly. really funny, because I've had people, like, ridiculous. come at me, like, oh, he's got to learn how to draw fouls. He's got to learn. Fuck off. And, like, y'all, no. there was a game... The NBA refs... Like, no... It's so clear, and it's so blatant, it, and everyone knows that the refs wait until it's like, yeah, you got to play... And, like, year three, year four, you yeah, might start getting some calls. But, it's but like... fucking ridiculous. I can't, I can't remember who the opponent was, but he got clotheslined. Like, a forearm hits him in the face, his head snaps back... Like, he's off balance, he lands off balance, and he still makes a, a layup. And I can't remember who that was. Uh, he didn't get a foul for like it. Bulls or Raptors? I think I, the oh, Bulls is what's in my head, but I. I, I That's can't what I'm say thinking. It. That was my first one uh, coming to mind. But yeah. just like, it's really play? obvious. <laughs> Last night, uh, Austin Rivers, he's posting up Austin Rivers, mid post, right block. Austin Rivers makes like six reaches, just slapping <laughs> the shit out of the ball. It's like two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Pistons are making a comeback. Rivers is, like, intentionally fouling here. Like, Rivers is doing the thing where you foul and th- you just hope the refs don't call it, but you want to, like, make a point to the- your opponent that you're defending him. And the ref's just like, no, no, that's legal. Don't worry about it. And, like, it's not. <laughs> we all know yep. it's not legal. Uh, your mm-hmm. three-year-old knows it's not legal. Like, 
uh, yeah, you just can't be more obvious. Like, I, I call match fixing all the time, and people can debate with me about whether or not, like, there's gambling reasons behind it, but, like, that's a I mean, fixed the NBA match. is one of the... The NBA is one of the few sports where there's been verified official ref fixing or match fixing. I mean, so. all major sports have had match fixing scandals, just FYI. I uh, mean, they have, but how many have had the referees directly influencing the outcomes? I mean, soccer, a thousand times. All right, well, soccer is... So, I was, soccer's I was like, the, hey... I was talking about the main American so, sports. So, soccer is left and right. So, soccer will be like, hey, we're pure. And South America's like, yep, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. The, 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 uh... Boxing is just like, hey, never fixed a match. And it's like, boxing might have like one legal match in ten. Like, yeah. none of the undercards in your boxing, by the way, none of them are free from that bullshit. Uh, just just an <laughs> FYI. I, I hope you aren't buying that bullshit. Uh, but yeah, so this is, it's just ridiculous. The, the officiating in that Denver game was hilariously terrible. Uh, Boogie Cousins was just like hooking, holding, and throwing people around. Oh Josh Jackson get, gets ejected. For arguing with the ref after Boogie shoves him in the head, which is actually a flagrant one, just in case anybody was wondering. So that was terrible. But we're we're here to talk about Kate. So so what have you mm-hmm. liked from Kate recently? Yeah, I'll I'll give you the floor because I'm I'm all jacked up and grabbing things and stuff. I don't even honestly know where to start. You can talk about what we knew that he was going to have coming in, which was the kind of creativity, the ball handling, the what he can do in the open court with the ball in his hands. The fact that he has stepped in as a rookie who's, what, played one year in college, he's 20 years old, and is not just, like, led the team, but, like, done a very good job being a floor general to a team with a lot of bad fucking players that probably shouldn't be getting as many minutes as they're getting. We're playing Rodney Magruder 20 minutes a game. Kojo has been on the court more than God knows anyone else. And he's still out there leading them, getting them in the spots to score, getting them, like, easy back, easy buckets, and on top of that, getting his own, getting, just going past Everett on drives, going, having layups and having three nuggets in his face, trying to block the ball, nothing but silk. It just, the stuff that he can do on the offensive end is top tier, and we're already seeing it, and the fact that people try to write him off as a bust at the beginning of the year is laughable to me, because even back then, I'm like, what are you watching? And now he's getting to prove everyone wrong so quickly, everyone that just anointed Evan Mobley, the rookie of the year, it's over, it's done, stop the debate, you should have got number one. And then we were like, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. And now we get the validation. We get to see what he can really do, like, 45 games into his career. Like, he's still, like, a young buck. Like, he's just starting out. He's halfway through his rookie year, and he's doing things that we haven't seen a whole lot of Pistons players do in the past, what, three, four, five years. It's insane what he can do on the offensive end. And then on top of it, the stuff that he brings in the defensive end. The the play that really, to me, was my favorite play that I saw Cade do the entire game was on the offensive end, he got into like a trap. Aaron Gordon stole the ball away, went in a fast break, was going to go up for the dunk, like layup dunk, and Cade went, fuck you, smack. And Aaron Gordon, he slam dunk. I don't know if you want to, he was a champion, right? Or, I don't remember. He, I, he was in a yeah. very great... And by the Game way, he didn't yet. deserve to win it. Zach Levine won that contest fair and square. Fuck off. Okay, that was... I couldn't remember who won that, but... I remember I liked Levine and Gordon was competing with him and had that weird little behind-the-back dunk. But regardless, someone who is very good at going to the rim, and much like LeBron did when he was, like, in his second or third or fourth year, when he was young on the Cavs, and just was like, nah, fuck you. Bang. 
he did the same thing. And that is just, he literally brings it all. <laughs> the stat line really proved it. Much like Giannis has been leading the Bucks in like all of his categories in the Brown before him. Like 34, 8, 8, 4, 2. What? <laughs> like people don't get stat lines that go that far. Shooting, what, 6 for 9 from 3? Like shooting 54% for the field with a bad team against a good Nuggets team? I just, I, my erection still has not ceased yet. <laughs> it's just, oh, I needed I needed to turn to that after watching Michigan State lose. I just, I needed to turn to that and CK just be like, nope, we're, we're going to be the next one. We got next. So I think, oh. I think the thing that has stood out to me is how quickly he's like developing. Like he mm-hmm. comes into the season, bum ankle, um, misses like 10 total games so far. I think it was like six games, something like that at the start. Uh, and you know, he's not shooting and his drives really aren't there. So the first thing we see huge leaps in three point performance right off the bat, right? Right off the mm-hmm. bat, we see a big jump in three point performance. Uh, and then all of a sudden we st- like, now we're seeing him probe into the lane, mid range shots, getting to the rim. Like rookies are not supposed to just magically correct a shooting slump and go from shooting like 12% to 40% in like a three week time span. You're not supposed to be able to do that. Rookies aren't supposed to be able to go from like not getting to the rim at all to getting to the rim whenever you fucking feel like it. Yep. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Uh, yeah, nope. Like, he's not having games where he's spiking in certain areas, right? He's not just having a 30-point game that's like 32-2-1. and two and one. He's having a 34-8-8-4-2 and two game. Like It's fucking... It's 2K numbers. Like I just started playing a 2K franchise with him. <laughs> I'm putting up less numbers than that. That's how good he's fucking playing. If, if LeBron has a 34-8-8-4-2 game... Like, Twitter goes fucking insane for a month. Top of Reddit for, like, like a million golds. Like, that is ridiculous. You're not supposed to be doing that as a rookie. And he's had, like, four of these games in a row. And the one thing he struggled with is back-to-backs. Um, I think mm-hmm. Keith Black, uh, Charlatan on Twitter, um, made, a, made a good point. Like, he struggled on back-to-backs. And that's fair. But, like... Yeah. This production is obscene. You, you can't. Yeah. It's you like, can't oh, he struggles that. on back. He struggles on back to backs. Guess what? He's never had to like play like that. Yeah, he probably had some AAU games that were kind of back to back and whatever. But like a full NBA game, like college games, you get like three days of space pretty much always, except for the tournament. Like, okay, <laughs> I don't right. see how that's really a complaint. All guys struggling back to backs. Like we just came Give off a road time. trip in which they had a back to back, a West Coast back to back. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they played. Uh, let me let me double check. I can't remember which what the order was here. Uh, it was in terms of what. It was uh, Golden State, and then Sacramento back to back. Then you travel mm-hmm. to Utah, third game in four days, West Coast. Then you travel to Denver, uh, fourth game in five days, uh, fourth game in six days. Excuse me. One, two, three, yep. four, five. Yeah, fourth game in six days. You have your two games at altitude with one game in between, both away yep. at the end of a road trip, and he struggles in like one of those games. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I don't care. Struggles is still relative. It's he's still like better than a lot of first round picks that they play their best game of their year. Like, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's uh, he's been 
productive defensively. Like we've seen him, uh, his off ball activity has been really good. We've seen him yep. defending isolations pretty well. We've seen him make rim rotations. I think the only thing he's been weak in is every now and then he gets stood up and blown by, but like he's a six, six like wing getting blown by, by like star point guards. Usually at that point, like, We'll deal mm-hmm. with that later. He's been probably the Pistons. That's where you draft someone to play next defender. to him. That's where you have like Hami play next to him or something like that. Or, hey, Killian who can Hayes. take Cough. take those? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, like he's been good defensively. Uh, he's shooting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's shooting. <laughs> he's shooting the shit out of the ball. Uh, let's let's go back to the stats here. Here, just just real quick. Uh, Cade Cunningham is currently even at he's at thirty four percent from three on six and a half attempts a game. The That's dude started numbers, like say. one of twenty. Yeah, <laughs> like he's he's shooting thirty four percent on mostly self created three point looks. Uh, he's shooting the shit out of the ball. Um, and and I know the for the record it was one for twenty one. It was one for twenty one. <laughs> Sorry, uh, like he's shooting the shit out of the ball. He's getting to the rim. He's showing us finishing with the left hand, with the right hand, post hooks, uh, mid-range pull-ups. We're seeing, uh, like, incredible pick-and-roll manipulation. The the one play that stood out last night, I think it was last night, uh, he's above the break, running a pick-and-roll. I can't remember if it was running a pick-and-roll. I think it was actually uh, somebody had just, like, ghost-screened for him. And there was two people on the right side of the floor. And instead of going, like, around his screen, he splits the screen because he knows it's going to draw Trey Lyles to Federer and he can create a kick out to Trey Lyles in the corner off of it. Like, he intentionally deviates from what, like, the play says because he sees that if I split this, I will create, like, a guaranteed three-point shot for Trey Lyles, who then pump faked and drove into the lane and turned it over. Um, hey, this is no Trey Lyles. <laughs> uh, but, like, rookies aren't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's making reads in pick and roll where like they barely even start the pick and roll and he's reading the tag and making a corner skip and it almost like you if you watch and you don't realize what he's doing you're like oh he made a simple pass because like he's like uncontested yeah. at the top of the arc making a skip pass and you're like oh that's probably just like part of the offense that's a bullshit yeah. read <laughs> like you're <laughs> not supposed to do that uh, you're not supposed to have that vision. You're not supposed to be six six. You're not supposed to be able to place those with accuracy on time and speed. I keep clipping things in these games where like Cade comes down, and he fires a ball into somebody in the corner, and they put up a corner three, and it like it looks like a really obvious pass. And it's like, no, no, you don't understand. There was one I think last night where Cade uh, he got trapped. He goes to the three point arc, and I think he fires a bullet into Frank Jackson in the left corner. And Frank's guy like is closing out on him and does like a flyby right as Frank catches it. That is an awesome pass. The pass hits Frank exactly where it has to hit him, so fast that the closeout... Like, if anyone else throws that pass, maybe even Killian if he throws that pass, that pass does not arrive at Frank Jackson. It's getting deflected. Like, the velocity and the accuracy is so important. Like, these are subtle things that he's just blowing out of the water. Like, he's making it super obvious. Uh, you, You just... You can't talk too much about how good Kate has been. And also, while Cade is just having this phenomenal stretch, Jalen Green went 6 for 40 in his last three games. <laughs> we are not slandering Jalen Green. I'm sure he's going to have a great season uh, and a great career. Also, uh, fuck every one of you who told me that he was better than Cade Cunningham because you don't know shit. And you didn't watch he's a goddamn thing. He's also 2 for thing. 17 from 3. 
<laughs> also, not, all no the people who have Jalen Suggs that high, because what the fuck were you watching? Uh, the fact that somebody wins does not make them like automatically a good player. I like, and and that's not Sugg slander. He was like fifth on my board, and I'm totally happy for him in Orlando. But there were people who had him ahead of Cade Cunningham, and those people were smoking heroin. Yep. I, I, just not fathomable how stupid that was. Uh, like, we liked we liked uh, Mobley a lot going into that draft, and I think we both I, would have put him at I number two on the board. I Mobley. I still tell you, if the Pistons had picked Mobley, I would not have been that upset. I love yeah. Evan Mobley. It would have been the worst thing in the world. I would have, I, I still would have been upset if we didn't get Cade. Cade was someone who I locked in from... The moment we got that number one pick, and anything else would have made me upset. Mobley would have been okay, acceptable. If you think he's going to be better, then so be it. But yeah, the Suggs or any of the either of the Jalen's, I'm like, nope, I'm out. The second I we got that, the second we were the number one, be like, I was ball. right this early. It's great. <laughs> it's really fun to just have all your I was rights in a row. And you know our best example of that, Luka Doncic. That was so much fun. <laughs> that was the stupidest thing. He's the fucking MVP he of Europe one? at 19. It's an that MVP. Was the most obvious one. <laughs> He's an MVP How? roasting adults in the second best and league, was... winning fucking titles. The most valuable and he was player. The number three pick. And he goes behind Marvin Bagley. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that Trey Young turned out just fine in like uh Aiton's been pretty solid, but like, what? That's fucking ridiculous. I also love I, people who come up to me and, are, and try and hit me with the uh, the Tyrese Halliburton thing. And it's like, who do you think was driving that bus that whole year? Yeah. <laughs> who do you think was on that, like, literally in the driver's seat, being like, Tyrese Halliburton is really good. By the way, yep. Dyson Daniels, this year, another 6'6 guy, not a, not known as a great shooter, but like, does all the little things. He's going to go like 20th, because people are like, ah, he doesn't shoot. He's going to be a lot better than 20th. I'm just... My I told you so two months in advance for like eight months in advance. Don't worry about it. Uh, all right, let's make it carried away now. We'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, yep. All right, what other, what other Cade stuff do you have to talk about? I've been talking a lot. My voice is going. I don't know. My grin is like stuck in my face. I, I don't know what else to say, but we have a great one in Detroit. And just buckle in, strap in. It's going to be a fun time here at the next... Like, five years. Also, stop we fucking start heckling your own players, please. Yeah. We had people in Detroit heckling Cade the other day, and, like, I I want to rip your fucking dicks off. Like, what are we doing? Stop it. All right. What's next on the list, then? Uh, do we want to transition? We had a nice little transition into the draft. Do you want to do that? Or do you want to talk about something else? We're already at the hour 05 mark. We can do draft stuff. Okay. All right. We'll finish up with something else afterwards real quick. Oh, no. All right. I don't know what the other thing is. <laughs> it's on the list. It's just farther up. Okay. It's something that's big coming to this weekend. So, um, Oh, that thing. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, before we get to that, let's talk about our draft pick of the week. Our draft prospect of the week, I should say. Not our draft pick. Hopefully our draft pick. Tankathon currently has him as a draft pick. And that person is Chet Holgren. I, I, I love that you you set that up like an ad read. <laughs> like, like this is a sponsored it, so. bit. <laughs> the Chili's draft pick of the I week. I changed my voice for it. <laughs> it, it is your voice. It is the, your cadence. <laughs> it's the insert ad here. Could be your company draft pick of the week. Uh, unsponsored, unrestricted. That's what I always say. 
Soon to be sponsored for the right amount. <laughs> you can pay me. All right. Go ahead. Tell me about Chet. Tell me about this big white boy. <laughs> so the thing about Chet, he long. He long boy. He long. Uh, seven foot tall at least. Like if you told me he was seven two, sure, fine, I'll believe you. He's one of those people where like, he's tall. <laughs> I don't know how tall he is. He's not really good. Like he plays next to Drew Timmy, and he's just like clearly taller than Drew Timmy. But Drew Timmy might also be six foot nine. So like, yeah. I'm not sure what that means. But like, Chet's at least seven feet tall. Uh, the last time I saw a wingspan listed was at least seven foot six. Uh, and he's got Jay like Billis is just in a coma thinking about that. <laughs> and he's got uh, really narrow shoulders, which on one hand means that like it's going to be hard for him to put on weight. On the other hand, it means that way less of that wingspan is being wasted in horizontal space, and a lot more of it can go into vertical space. The dude probably has, like, a 9 foot 10 standing reach. Like, it's just, like, I don't understand how he's not going to, like, just, like, he just, like, touches the rim. It's just, it's just like, right here for him. Um, you can't he see it on video, the but it's okay. Um, so, you just have to understand, he is obscenely long, but also really shockingly coordinated, really shockingly flexible. Yeah. Uh, he's For listed size, at, like, yeah. 195 now. Okay, so, like... You, you think, like, this is something I have a hard time describing, because everyone hears that, everyone sees it, they look at him, and they go, oh my god, he's a stick figure, he's going to get blown away. Like, yeah, if Joel Embiid gets a shoulder into him, there's nothing Chet's going to do. But that's yeah, not Jokic the Jokic would have a field day with right. him. <laughs> uh, and even Jokic might, we'll see about that one, but um, yeah. the, the secret to Chet is that, like, he doesn't care if you move him. And this is this is a hard thing to like describe because his his secret is he is totally willing for you to get into his body because he knows he's longer than you, and it's the whole like yeah. big brother thing, right? Where like you you try and like get into like you, you're like going through a layup and he's like yeah sure you're like in my body and he just like reaches over you and like like dwarfs you, and Chet just does that to everybody. He's he's <laughs> completely confident that he can that like even if you bend him over at the waist. He's just, he's just like, yeah, I'll, fine, I'll just, I know where the ball is, and I will just, like, reach my freaking Slender Man arms out and get the ball. And he's <laughs> yeah. super coordinated, he's super awesome at tracking the ball. Um, he's got great footwork, so, like, he doesn't absorb stuff and, like, stop you in your tracks. He's totally willing to let you march down to the rim, and he's willing to bet that when you get there, when you try and actually put the ball on the rim, <laughs> he can get a hand in there. And so it's really interesting where it's like, okay... You, you become less concerned, I think, when you start to understand how he plays. You become less concerned about his strength from, like, a how does it impact him defensively and more from just, like, a how does that frame hold up in the NBA? And that's mm -hmm. the question, like, I can't really answer. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough, enough expertise. But, like, the question becomes, okay, what happens if Chet gets thrown into the stands once or twice? <laughs> like, you, the dude is all, like, his ankles... Like like my ankles are like his thighs. Like I it's it, like most NBA players. It's like my God, their wrists are my thighs. Like I, it, it's the opposite for Chet. Um, yeah, I probably have I mean it's him one of those point. things where <laughs> if he was coming into the like 2000s NBA, I'd be very concerned for oh, his health. No and question, he's getting the shit. If he was gonna have to go up against Shaq, I'd be like, get this man in like an ICU ahead of time because it's not gonna go well. And that's where in like today's NBA, I don't think he need to bang as much. And I feel like. While he will need to put on weight just to be, like, up to play up to his potential, 
It's not something that's going to be this giant detriment anymore. No, but like if his frame tops out at like 215, 220, like if he puts on 20 more pounds over the next couple of years, that might be okay. Yeah. And, you know, when you get past the frame, we're talking about like next to Evan Mobley, maybe like I think Onyekan Kongwu was like also like one of the guys that I loved in college defensively. You love him. I yes. love Onyekan Kongwu. You will not. Shut and he's up also <laughs> proving me right. Uh, plenty of I told you so's going on in Atlanta right now because he's getting some time and he's playing out, balling out, whatever. The point is, like, Chet is an absolutely elite defensive IQ guy. He's, yeah. He understands, you know, his place on the floor. He makes smart rotations. He is smart. Uh, Chet is one of those guys that wants to kick your ass, which is weird because he's the skinny white kid, but, like, Chet competes at a crazy high level. Um... You know, he's, he very much, uh, you know, he's into getting blocks. He's into absorbing contact. He will oh, yeah. initiate contact. Chet is not, just because he's skinny and just because he, like, plays that game where he, like, lets you into his body and, and sometimes he'll float away from you. Like, just because he plays all those games, do not get it confused. Chet wants to, like, beat the shit out of you. Um, yeah. He's definitely someone who has shocked me in his, like, wanting to drive to the basket when I watched him. Like, he's not afraid of contact at all. No. For someone who's that, like... This paper thin. You're afraid that he's about to fly away. No, like he wants it. So like <laughs> that's a great mindset. D- defensively, like we're talking about like a generationally great defensive prospect. A guy whose feet, like he has awesome feet. He has awesome hips. Uh, he know like he's totally capable of hedging and pick and roll, dropping and pick and roll. Uh, he's not like the most vertically explosive guy, and he's not the fleetest of foot guy. He's he's pretty good, but like if he he's needs to shuffle backwards, <laughs> right? If he needs to shuffle backwards and in, in drop and explode like he can't explode like mark williams can at duke or like like some centers can he's got like a thousand foot stand like if you can lob it it, if you lob it over chet holmgren you've done something really really well as a point guard like it's (laughs) like if you lob it over chet it's probably gonna go over the backboard (laughs) like like he's fine there he can hedge he's got all the foot like there's he's switching onto wings in college right now. He's playing mm-hmm. next to Drew Timmy, another like center. Like he's playing against wings sometimes. He's doing that just fine. So like we're talking about a really, really talented defensive player. Um yep. easily the most impactful defensive player in this draft. Um you know, and then offensively, good passer. Really good passer. Uh sees the floor well. Not a guy who like is gonna like do live dribble passing. But, like, uh, mid-post elbow stuff will distribute, distributes from the top of the key, distributes from the post, uh, sees the sees pass as well. There's nobody who can, like, disrupt his passing lane. Uh, like, he can yeah. release a pass eight feet in the air comfortably. Uh, passes with accuracy, passes with velocity. Chet's a good passer. You can play, uh, you can build offenses around how good Chet is as a passer. Uh, Chet can mm-hmm. shoot. Uh, there's a few things I'd like to see cleaned up in his shooting form, but like Chet's got great natural touch. Uh, Chet can shoot. Chet will be a shooter at yep. the NBA level, no question. Chet can put the ball. He, on the he floor. can just sit at the three point line and shoot. Like right. he's that good of a shooter. He he can put the ball on the floor. Chet can absolutely dribble. Now I I don't want him dribbling like in the half court, but we've already <laughs> seen. I'm sure people have seen on their timelines, right? Multiple plays where Chet is is putting behind the backs on a you know on a single defender. Like I I. Uh, um. In transition, when you have a head of steam, you have to be able to make one move in order to get to the rim. You got to be able to execute one move. 
Chet has the one move down just fine. Whether that's a gather into like a Euro step, whether that's behind the back into a, into his gather, whatever, Chet's got that move. Chet can absolutely handle, um, you know, he can put the ball on the floor once and then make like short roll reads if you get it to him early in the pick and roll, all that stuff. Chet's like, the, the one thing about Chet is he's not getting to the rim by himself. And so that's where like the the superstar ceiling comes in for him is like he he's not gonna self generate a lot of hoops right now because he just can't like he's not gonna power through centers to the rim. Um, he can do some stuff in the post and whatever, but like I think that's gonna go away a little bit at the NBA level. But like Chet's really good at just filling in all of these checkboxes, um, yep. and that makes him really exciting as a prospect. And I think the thing that, for me, has surprised me most about watching him play, like, you hear, like, 7 7 one, 195 white dude, you think, absolute stiff. Can't move. Not going to be able to run in transition. That can't be farther from the truth. No, he the, moves. The, he can move in a way that just, for his size and for his length, just doesn't make sense to the human eye. And you just watch the way that he, like, attacks the rim and goes to the basket. I'm just like, what? what is this dude? Like, he is the unicorn that people expect or that see in some of these basketball players. It's not like Giannis where Giannis is huge, like built, but he's like the way that I, I kind of described him as someone who didn't just like my dad, who doesn't really watch a whole lot of Brandon college basketball games. is like, this guy is like a Kristaps Porzingis, except who you want him to be. That's the way that I've described him, what he can do defensively, what he can do off ball. This is who, what you want Kristaps Porzingis to be like. It's it's almost like Kevin Garnetti, like Garnett was yeah. even more of like a point guard and like even better of a handle. But like, there's a little bit of Kevin Garnett to to mm-hmm. what uh, to what Chet can do. Um, so I needs a little bit more bulking up to be Kevin Garnett. Right. I mean, <laughs> Kevin's got like for, fifty pounds on him. <laughs> for the record, KG is like one of the like ten best looking prospects of all time. Like just like oh, yeah. purely. 100%. In a lab, drafting like pulling a guy out of high school, like holy shit, Kevin Garnett. If people haven't seen I think... like what Kevin Garnett was doing in high school, you need to go find Kevin Garnett footage. Uh, you take Kevin Garnett at any age you want on your roster, even if he's like sixteen, because he was insane. <laughs> K- KG is one of those guys where I'm just like really sad that I didn't get into the NBA like in time to like like I never saw T Wolves Garnett live or like. Well, not even live, you can be like, happy that you didn't see him get wasted away on the Timberwolves all those years. But, okay, so. like, <laughs> awesome. Just awesome. All right. Um, so then the next question is, like, what what do you do with Chet in Detroit? Right? I mean... <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. You play him and figure out who else around him. Like he's, you got he's your Chet center. and you got Cade. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you, you, you have a five... Uh, he can play next to Stu if he has to, because he can be a four. That's what I was about he to say. He can play yep. next to a Kelly Olynyk. He can be the sole five. Like he's not... oh god, him and Kelly next to each other is interesting. I never thought of the Gonzaga connection there. <laughs> if... Father Kelly and Chet. The, the only thing is, like, we may have to get rid of Kelly because Chet seems like the kind of guy who might think that that beard is cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and, if, and if Chet grows to be like that, like I might have to like slip my wrist. Like I, I don't know if I can see two of those in my lifetime. <laughs> I have him get the the hair. The, oh, I could live I with the long hair. hair. Long haired chat would no, be I hilarious. Uh, the, the way he, Kelly wears it just annoys me. Well, Kelly doesn't <laughs> wash his hair. Uh, just like very yeah, clearly, exactly. like never washes his face or hair, which is disgusting. But uh, so I think the fit 
in Detroit is is like pretty obvious. He's not quite the like um lob threat rim attacker that I would really like. Like he's not quite as much of a vertical spacer. He can be. Uh just not the same level of threat as some other guys. But like it what what I like is him and I feel like Cade would play really well together with their basketball IQ. They both seem like they get the game at a young age in a way that other people don't. And putting just, them together I feel like would be like, really interesting. If you ended up with John Collins, just for the record, this is the pick. <laughs> like this yeah. is the guy like if if that oh, was the trade you made, yeah. this is the guy you would pick. Um You trade for John Collins, you tell him that he has a dislocated fill in the blank random bone that doesn't actually make sense. And just like you're sitting for the rest of the year. You just sit down. You're just you're fine. <laughs> we need to lose. And we'll we'll we you you try and get Chet and and Collins on the same team, and then Chet can go like sit in corners or like play off of a Collins Cade pick and rolls, and like you're you're cooking with fish oil or whatever they say. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> cooking with gas, I think. What fish oil? So I I might be mixing my metaphors. It doesn't fucking matter. Shut up. I think you must have. Continue on. Um, I think. Like the idea of him in Houston is maybe my favorite, but uh, um, I explain that one to me because I just see Singoon and I'm like, obviously they can play together, but definitely they're probably better fits. I'm still torn on Shangoon, where like I think like there's there's an upside to Shangoon where like Shangoon is a superstar, uh, he's got all sorts mm-hmm. of but like similar to um, Sabonis, right, in in Indiana. I also don't know what a team built around Shangun as an actual center is. Like, yeah. I just, I don't buy it. But Shangun is like your sixth man or the guy that plays with Chet. Awesome. Uh, Chet basically just being the Christian Wood replacement. Great. Cool. Uh, I've always associated Houston in my head with, like, the Olajuwans and the Yao Mings. And, like, I feel Yao like Ming Chet's exactly very much, like, <laughs> part of this lineage of, like, great centers. I, I just feel like there's, like, this spiritual succession from, like, Ralph Sampson to... Uh, Olajuwon to Yao to Dwight Howard cough cough laugh laugh uh, to <laughs> Chet where just like I think it would fit I think that um, he may not be like a screener but like Chet probably will end up I think being a good DHO guy and like a fun elbow guy and if you have Jalen Green cutting off Chet and playing off Chet I think that's really fun in the long term uh, I just think like and by the way he fixes a lot of defensive issues for them just like right away like they have you know the would you, would you like to know who the actual answer is to this question? Go ahead. Oklahoma City Thunder. He's fine on OKC. I just don't picture... Like, I, I see him in an OKC jersey, oh, and I'm like, no. There's something well, I mean, I'm anyone in an OKC jersey looks weird, but, like, Giddy, Shea, like, him, Dort, Baisley. Like, I feel like he would be the missing piece to make them kind of, like, the spooky uh, the spooky Thunder, which I like. May, I guess. Um... I feel like he fits the best of anyone, any of the prospects. The top prospects. So range. for the same reasons that I really want Paolo in Detroit over Chet, and we'll get to that in a second, I think Paolo would be so fucking good in OKC. Uh, I mean, Paolo's going to be great no matter where Just, goes, Just like this idea like, of like... The, the I feel like one- Paolo needs the ball a little more than Giddy and Shea want, want to give it up. Whereas I feel like Chet will play really good without the ball. Maybe a little bit, but like... Like, I don't think Giddy or... Sh- like, Shea is ball-dominant. Giddy is not a ball-dominant guy. Giddy's very much a connective... Giddy's not, Giddy's not a ball-dominant dude, but you want the ball in his hands. Because he does the amazing ball, things You in his want hands the ball. ball being swung through Giddy. Like, you also, want, you want really to... Quick. Like, what you want to do is you want to run a Shea, a Shea plus somebody pick and roll. 
and have Shea kick out to Giddy and Giddy making the next pass. Or the, like that's that's the way you like in the same way that I really want to see Killian Hayes run a pick and roll with somebody who can fucking roll, <laughs> and then yeah. kicking to Cade to like do cool shit off the kick. Like that's the ideal way the Pistons work, and that's the way I think that team works. But like Shea and Paolo running like a two man game together, and then oh by the way, here's Josh Giddy as like the the second guy on the strong side corner, just like ready to like make weird shit happen as soon as you kick the ball like that to me is the ultimate thing uh, real quick s- segue or tangent off giddy because we're at 90 minutes almost and i need to get this in that i just randomly thought of which was i went to the wizards thunder game uh the wizards were like or like they gave me tickets and i was lucky enough to go um so we went to this game and i was there with me and my girlfriend and giddy Poor and davis bertans got into like a fight like, not a fight. Like, a, they were jawing at each other kind of thing. And both hit two straight, each of them, like, back-to-back fuck you threes in each other's face. It was the... And I didn't notice this. Blair goes, oh, they're fighting. They're, like, yelling at each other. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why are Giddy and Bertons fighting each Bert, other? What, isn't Bertons, the, like, a, like, a Mo Wagner-level, like, random shit-talker, though? I don't think I've he al- is. I always, because I've always felt I like that. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I've never noticed it. Like, he, like Mo Wagner is like, all, talking is like an all-time oh, yeah. irritant level. He's the biggest example in the NBA of, currently of just a shit talker who can't really back it up. So, uh, But I've never seen Bertans really shit talk. But I feel like I've seen personally, Bertans I get just, into it with a lot of people. But maybe I'm just... Personally, I just don't like seeing Bertans in the court at the moment. So that could be <laughs> it. I just try and block it out of my brain. And that awful, awful, awful contract. Yeah, it's... Could have told you that was going to be bad. It is funny seeing that, like, like in the Jeremy Grant like trade discussions, like, oh, they'll send Davis Bertans. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck no, you're not. Hell no, no, <laughs> no one in the NBA no. is trading for that contract. Not no. a, not a damn chance. No, that. All right. Uh, who was the? Is it Grunfeld? Was the GM like Ernie's revenge? No, Grunfeld is gone. First off, but he wasn't he the, the one that signed it? Yeah. Oh yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, it's just like Ernie's revenge. Like the one last fuck you to the Wizards. Is just I mean I, I feel like a uh, billion dollar contract. God, what was his name? The like center we signed from the Pacers, Yan Mahimi. Yan Mahimi. There it is. Yeah, that was that was what should have been his last fuck you contract. But yeah, <laughs> he should have been fired after that one. Um, yeah. All right, get us back on track. So I guess the the last question for you is is we've talked about Paolo. We haven't yet done Jabari Smith. I, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of Jabari and Chet. Where do yep. you stand? In terms of, like, your priorities between the three. I mean, for me, I think Paolo is number one just because of what he can bring to the table on both ends of the court. I don't think the playmaking ability and the ability to have the ball in his hands, I think, is untouched. The problem is between Chet and Jabari. And personally, I think Chet just... Anywhere that he goes, he's going to be able to find a way onto the court and find a way to play. He does so much that very few people in the NBA do and brings so much to the table that I think, like, obviously there's a chance that he doesn't work out. He gets hurt. He is unable to put on weight and just gets blown by in the NBA. But I feel like those risks are very small, whereas I'm a little more worried about uh, Smith. Yeah, I for me, it's, it's in a similar thing where just, like, I think Chet fits this team. I also think Chet's, yeah. like, it's, it's wrong of me to say this, because if Chet ends up on this team, I'm going to fucking love Chet. He kind yeah. of bores oh, yeah. me in this conversation when I look at Paolo. 
Because I look oh, at yeah. Paolo as like a guy who's like <laughs> look a, what Paolo does. But like Paolo's like a guy who can like self generate his own his own offense. You give him the ball, exactly. he can do stuff. Paolo can can operate in the pick and roll. Paolo's a, I think a better defender than he's being given credit for. Um, just in, mm-hmm. in terms of like large scale media presence right now, um, you know, Paolo might be as good a shooter as Chet eventually. Uh, like to me, the idea of like a two man game between Paolo and either Kate or Killian, like just like there's so much leverage creation there that I think it's it's just like if you turn that down, I, I don't know what your priorities are. Chet's I think my clear second though. Because to me, Jabari mm. is the guy that you really wish you're drafting when you already have a Caden Chet. Like, yeah. he's like the guy... I, I, I still, to this day, like, I keep watching Jabari, and I'm like, okay, he can't dribble. Like, he doesn't... He, yeah. he can't... He doesn't gain any advantage. And we'll talk about Jabari more in, in depth in the future. But, like, he doesn't dribble. He doesn't gain any advantage. He is just the most obscene shooter we've seen in a draft since, like, Curry. Like... Mm-hmm. Jabari is 6'10", and uh, his release is awesome. His uh, his ability to, to self-organize, right? His ability to take off with bad footwork and align himself mid-shot and get a perfect-looking shot off is obscene. I've put clips on, on Twitter already of things where, like, he's gathering the ball on, like, a crouch, and it looks like he's picking up, like, a loose ball. Like, he's diving for a loose ball. And all of a sudden, he's in the air, and his shot looks perfect. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't... I don't understand how you do, like that is just he is an obscene shooter um and basically the only thing he lacks as a shooter is that he can't create his own shot off mm-hmm. the dribble with any real like velocity but it's it doesn't matter because unless you're guarding him with Chet Holmgren he's shooting the ball over you like but he doesn't pass and he doesn't create for other people uh, and he's not a true rim protector. He's a really good like wing defender, but he's not a true rim. So like, I look at Jabari and I'm like, if I have a center and I have a guard and they're creating stuff, and I can just like make Jabari like the most lethal weak side player of all time. Like if Jabari is in the <laughs> weak side corner, like there's nothing that's going to terrify you more. Like that's like having Clay Thompson. It's like having Steph Corner Curry in the corner. Like you're never helping off that. There, there might be a mm-hmm. game where like Jabari gets zero points but your team scores 150 because you basically played like uh, like five on four basketball the whole time just because like, he's got such shooting gravity. And that's really fun. But I think you already need a framework for him to fit into in a way that you don't for the other two. Yeah. And, I think the more... I haven't, I, so I that, that to, to me look, is the difference between them. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I haven't got a chance to look too in-depth on Jabari. I, I watched him, I think, was it in the Bahamas where MSU played and beat... MSU beat, like, UConn and... I think so, yeah. And lost to Baylor. But and they didn't actually I go think... to the Bahamas, did they? Wasn't that the battle for Atlantis that wasn't in them. Atlantis? Because that's just, no like, idea. the Maui... I think, gym... I think it was. The Maui Jim no, Maui wasn't even in... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I, know the, I know the Maui Jim one wasn't on Hawaii. It, was, it wasn't like in Hawaii. It was. um, but maybe the battle I, for Atlantis I, was. I, I, Michigan didn't participate in it this year, so I, I didn't pay as much attention. And there weren't. But yeah, I watched. As I watched a little bit of their game against UConn, and I remember him from that. I think it was. I think it was that tournament. Um, but I remember watching him in that. And first, obviously, his athleticism jumps out at you the way that he goes, and his shooting is top notch, and we've seen that all year. But just the what Paolo brings to the table in terms of the playmaking and getting his own shot is something that I just don't see from Jabari. And I feel like Chet is kind of in a similar vein, where Chet, I feel like. It's just going to be a 
Right now, I just see him as a better ball handler, and Jabari, to me, is, the more I look at it, is the clear number three option behind Paolo and then Chet. That's my personal ranking. But the interesting thing is, like, (laughs) if you're the Magic, Jabari should be your clear-cut number one, no question. Like, you already have a center. You've already got guards (laughs) that that are good. Like, you have Jalen Suggs. You've got Cole Anthony. um, You've got uh, Markel Fultz. You don't need guards. You've got uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, uh, Franz Wagner, Mo Bamba. You've got centers and you've got wings. Like, yes, you should absolutely, no question, be going after the like the best shooter in the draft and like a generationally great mm-hmm. shooting gravity guy. If you're uh, Houston, I might consider Jabari the number one. I think I think Chet yeah. like solves a big problem because I don't think they have a center, but like. If you if you believe in Alperin Sengun is like your your top guy, or if you think Christian Wood's going to stick around, like yeah, Jabari playing again as the weak side guy, catching and shooting off, you know any anything you can do anytime you pull any defender away from him with any kind of like Jalen Green action, if Jalen Green is pressuring the rim and kicking to Jabari, you're having a freaking yep. blast. Yep, those two will play well together. Uh, I think even more than Chet. There, there's going to be a lot of players. Um, or a lot, a lot of like pundits in this draft that are going to have Jabari number one, and I'm totally okay with that. I just don't think it's he's number one for the Pistons for me, because I don't think the I'm Pistons okay yet have the same like structure to play in. I don't think they yet have the floor balance where like he is a weapon that like has to be loaded in a way that like the other guys don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I will gladly see Jabari go number one to the Magic, so that <laughs> the Pistons can choose between Chet and Paolo. Sounds great. The, uh, Sign me up. My my favorite thing is like every time somebody says that they have Chet or Jabari number one on their board, because I'm just like, yes, that means that when the Pistons mm-hmm. inevitably like get jumped once and end up at third, Paolo is still there. <laughs> yep, That's, I will take that I'm every single manifesting day. it so hard. I need the Pistons to have bad lottery luck, but exceptional draft luck, because that seems more plausible than getting good lottery luck. And having I think the guy, we wasted all like, we wasted all the lottery luck last year. Well, but more <laughs> importantly, right? More importantly, Troy Weaver has consecutively drafted the two guys I want most in the draft. I cannot believe that's going to happen a third time unless someone else intervenes. <laughs> so after after the Stan Van Gundy Bowers went like the opposite most of the time, I feel like just I mean yes, they drafted literally yes, and I looking still at you, Luke Kennard. Guys, but I love Luke, but like yes, I I was the guy. Uh, it's my fault that Donovan Mitchell you, was so beloved in Pistons Twitter. Uh, you pulled me along for that ride. I that was everyone, all like, the way in. I, I cannot tell you how many people whose usernames I recognize from Pistons Twitter who learned about Donovan Mitchell because I wrote a, a, a Reddit blog p- post about him and they all read it and was like, you're right, this is the dude. And I argued <laughs> in those posts heavily about uh, Mitchell versus Kennard. It was like, no, no, this is very clearly the right decision. And I was very right. And we drafted the wrong guy. And it sucks. Yep. Story of the Pistons career. <laughs> drafted the wrong guy. All right. You want to get to our final topic of the day? Yep. That is Michigan and Michigan State basketball. I will quick give a little recap of Michigan State, if anyone doesn't know. Uh, we lost at home to break our nine-game win streak against the lowly Northwestern Wildcats. Then proceeded to go beat Wisconsin pretty soundly um, at their place. And then followed by a weird game against Illinois that we nearly stole 
uh, down in Champaign. For the record, so. Wisconsin is also shit. Johnny Davis is just really good. <laughs> Everyone else on that team is terrible. <laughs> I was very happy. I was on an airplane, unfortunately, the entire time of that game going on. So I missed all of it, but I was very happy to see the result. And I'm like, good, that makes sense. I'm happy. Also, bring aspirin if you ever want to look at Johnny Davis's shooting form and like in person, because he loads like this, and then it, like at the last second, his wrist flips out. You, you guys can't see his wrist, like his right hand as he loads into a shot. The the like ball of his wrist points directly left, and then right before his release, it like lines up. And when it lines up, it looks great. But before that, it gives <laughs> me carpal tunnel just looking at it, and I don't understand. It. Uh, anyway, we'll get more on Johnny Davis later. Um, Am I supposed to do a Michigan recap here, then? Is that, is that what's yeah, next? Yeah, because okay. I literally... I don't know anything that's happened to Michigan recently. Uh, I don't know if you guys have even played. We've you played guys beat a, Maryland pretty soundly, right? We, we whooped Maryland. Um, they played uh, Illinois, but they didn't have Hunter Dickinson, which... Uh, and they played Illinois, like, pretty tight for a team that didn't have, like, its clear best player. Um, Michigan's still trying to figure out what it's going to get out of Caleb Houston on a night-to-night basis, and they go from being, like, one of the five best teams in the country to one of the, like, 80th best teams in the country, depending on how Caleb Houston plays. And you're making a fa- but, like, literally... Uh, I'll take your word for it, but I won't believe it. <laughs> so, so... Top five is a bit much. When they... Right now, they have the best offense in the Big Ten. And that's because Hunter Dick, or that's because Hunter has like come up from being terrible early in the season and just like become Hunter Dickinson, and he's one of the like most central post presences you'll find. He's also shooting threes this year. That I agree. Uh, he's a good playmaker. Like Hunter Dickinson is really good. Um, his defense mm-hmm. has not been that great, but that's also like the Pistons no or the Pistons the the Wolverines no longer have um, Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner. And it turns out that when you mm. lose the best college defender in the like entire NCAA and also just like a really good wing, you don't look as good on defense anymore. Um, so that sucks. But they're still trying to like figure it out. But like when Caleb Houston hits threes, like your floor space, everything about the floor spacing for this team changes. And when he doesn't, he ends up driving and turning the ball over. And you know nobody else really has shooting gravity that like changes the game the way he does. So. Um, they're super dependent on that clicking, and when it does, everything else falls into place, and they look awesome. Um, and it's basically only started clicking pretty recently, so we don't really know. You could you could no. get a Michigan team on pace for forty points in a game, or you could get a Michigan team that blows you out by twenty five. You just you don't know yet until he hits like the first two shots, and you're like, okay, we're good. <laughs> it will be a good matchup then, because Michigan State, I would say, this year has definitely prided itself. On its defense, starting with Bingham, you know, starting with Gabe, starting with pretty much our entire, like, our entire front court has been phenomenal at defense so far this year. The guards have been less than desirable on defense, but uh, overall, I think Michigan State is a really good defensive team. I'm not going to put any superlatives on top five or anything like that, but they've been phenomenal on the defensive end of the floor, and if they play like that on sun- or Saturday... We should be looking for a good game. So there's there's a couple things to look out for, right? You got the Hunter Dickinson Bingham matchup because mm-hmm. Hunter's going to bury him in the post, but he's going to try and back him down all day long. But the the question will be, again, is there any shooting? Like if you can double Hunter because the the team isn't shooting, you're going to win. There's just like that's it's as simple as that. If if you can double Hunter and not get punished for it, it's it's not going to be a problem for Michigan State. 
the, the which next... based on Izzo in the past, I don't expect doubles be coming for Hunter though. Uh, I don't. Yeah, we I don't rarely know. double down in the post, oh. so we'll see what happens there. The the other thing is Michigan has really struggled with guards that can create their own shot. So if you get a if you get a great game out of Tyson, it's Tyson Walker, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you get a good game out of Tyson Walker, or if Max Christie keeps playing well because he's done well in the last couple of games, that might uh, he you know, kind of he fluctuates. <laughs> Christie does. He he does, but like, uh, Michigan keeps having. Having an issue where like you look at like the shots they're giving up and you're like no that's the right shot profile and then Minnesota shoots like thirty for thirty five on mid range jumpers and just like buries you and you're like oh I don't okay or like <laughs> Rutgers randomly goes like eight for eight in the second half or something like that and you're just like uh, from three and you're like Rutgers is the worst shooting team in the league what the fuck like you yeah. don't understand it, but like it just happens um, and then the other thing will be Michigan's ball screen coverages keep changing as they try and figure out how to use Musa Diabate and Hunter Dickinson on the floor together. Uh, so if you start seeing lobs to Marcus Bingham, that's how you know that Michigan State's like having a blast. Because if they get lobs off, it's yeah. that's we've seen that against UNC and we've seen that against Arizona for Michigan. That just means that they they didn't get the scheme right today. Well, that would be probably a Hoggard thing, because he's been Hogart? Hoggard? I never figured that out. <laughs> I think Hogard. I think. <laughs> I feel like I changed my pronunciation on every single time. I've never heard any definitive thing. But, yeah, if we see him out there with marble and they're throwing lobs up, then, yeah, I would say that would be the case. All right. So, I don't even know when that game is. Is that Saturday? It's Saturday at noon or 1230 or something like that. I believe. It's not like I don't have it up somewhere here. 1230 Saturday on CBS. We'll put a beer on it. I think I still owe you one from the the football game earlier this year. You have to figure out how how to get out here soon. All right. I think that will do it for our giant monster pod of the day. Enjoy editing this one, Jake. <laughs> I'm just putting two tracks together, opening music, closing music. That's all we're doing. You know, uh, how you, you know how you pause and like try to draw it out and set us up for like the transition music and the ad breaks? Fuck that shit. Not happening. <laughs> we don't need any additional time for today. <laughs> no. All right. So I don't know when we're going to see you all next week. Webster's schedule is fluky. Hopefully it'll be a little Sometimes. earlier, but could be Thursday again. In the meantime, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Yep. See you guys. Bye. He waves every time. Why does he wave? Nobody knows. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.